Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better, simpler way to buy. It's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just used SeatGeek to buy tickets to the Cubs-Phillies game later this month. I'm very excited about it. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code RINGERNFL today. That's promo code R-I-N-G-E-R-N-F-L for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Robert Mays. I'm a writer at The Ringer. And joining me in all sorts of ways are Kevin Clark and Danny Kelly. Guys, how you doing? Doing great. Tough day for me. Uh, my board is empty. I've taken everybody <laughs> off my board. So my first experience with Kevin as a colleague was last year at the drafts live in Chicago. And after every single pick, his response was, that's trash. That's not trash true. Trash pick. That's <laughs> not every true. Single pick. If they could jump high, if they had great spark scores, I liked the pick. So you liked two guys in the entire first round? I liked the guys the Packers drafted. Yes. <laughs> That's right. I remember. Those are the only picks you like. Danny, I hope you enjoy more of the draft picks and more of the players than Kevin does. <laughs> I'm a positive person by nature, so... If I ran a team, it would be like the movie Draft Day, except every time a pick came, I would just pass. I'd be like the Vikings were a couple years ago where they kept missing their pick, but yeah, I'd be they doing forgot. it on purpose. Yeah. I would come away with no players. This guy doesn't have enough experience. This guy has too much experience. This guy doesn't jump high enough. This guy jumps too high. Everybody's off. So what we're going to do is, as I dismiss what Kevin's talking about, <laughs> is uh, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to go through the top 10 and just kind of break down the needs of those teams, what players we think might be on their radar, just break down those in pretty significant detail. After that, we're going to go through 10 through 32 as just a few teams each that we like a player and team fit for them. So we're not going to go all the way through the first round, but we are going to dig into the top 10 here pretty significantly. How does that sound to you guys? Sounds wonderful. It sounds great. All right, let's dig in. The Cleveland Browns Mm. have every single need essentially except the offensive line. Yep. That's really the one spot where they've gotten NFL players and probably feel pretty comfortable. Uh, it's really tough to hone in and drill down on one or two needs for teams like this just because there are so many of them. Kevin, if you were trying to just put your finger on one spot where the Browns really need some help, what would it be? I would say, I mean, obviously quarterback yeah, is course, first and foremost. <laughs> yeah. um, but I just don't I know. Should, I should have Besides given that. that a caveat. Outside yeah. of quarterback, <laughs> yeah. what position do they really yeah. need? I mean, I really think they need to, to get some sort of pass rush going. Um, you know, Danny Shelton hasn't been that great on the defensive line, um, even though he, he was he was he came in with I think a lot of athleticism, a lot of expectations. He hasn't really been transformational on that, on that defensive line at this point. 
Uh, they need an edge rusher who's just going to dominate, and, and that would be Miles Garrett, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, like you said, they have needs basically at every position but a line. They could take a, you know, if there was a, a world class DB, um, they that would be maybe uh, there'd be maybe a chance for him at one or obviously twelve. Um, but I think number one, you got to go with the pass rusher, Danny. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think if it's not a pass rusher, you go corner or safety. Um, just because, yeah. I mean, right now, Joe Hayden is like their top corner, and he's really he really struggled last year. I mean, obviously, he was playing hurt, but um, yeah, I think you go corner or safety. You can't, and, and there's so many good guys in this class that, you know, it's not going to be a Justin Gilbert situation, hopefully. But I think you, you, you get any of these guys, and it's going to drastically improve your secondary, which, you know, they just they just need to add guys everywhere really but i think that's one of the premium positions that they could really you know really improve this in this draft it seems like we've reached a point now where it's going to be a quarterback or it's going to be miles garrett yeah i mean if they trade this pick i assume hugh jackson will jump into lake erie and try to swim away (laughs) i can't imagine he will react to that in any sort of good way so and you look at it and when you have a supposedly generational player like Miles Garrett is you take him without thinking about it. But this is also a situation where they don't have anybody else. You know, they drafted Emmanuel Ogba in the second round last year. He was fine as a rookie, but it's not as if they've thrown a ton of resources into their pass rushing pool. So drafting a guy with number one overall pick at that spot, even if he is as talented as Miles Garrett, gives you pause. There's really no th- nothing preventing them from saying, Miles Garrett is this good, he's going to be the guy we pick. I thought it was interesting... There was a comment from Andrew Barry, their, their player personnel guy, last week about Garrett, and he was asked about the notion, as I referenced earlier, that Garrett takes plays off or he doesn't try. And and they sort of excused that by saying, essentially, there's so many snaps in a college game because of the hurry-up that, that a player cannot try on every snap. And I thought that was very interesting. It was clear that they were... Uh, justifying the pick a little bit, getting out ahead of the criticism that comes. We saw it from Warren Sapp over the weekend where he basically said um, that he would not take Miles Garrett at all. And so I, I think that the Browns are basically married to this pick at this point. And we see this all the time with guys that have this generational athleticism, this otherworldly talent. People said that about Clowney. People said that about Julius right. Peppers. It just feels like guys that are that talented get hit with that tag because there's nothing else bad to say about them and at this point in the process we need to knock every single player in some way it did take a while for Clowney to get to the level we expected him to to be fair well he An injury. yeah no no of course of course no I, I understand that what if there's like a what if there's a video that comes out like 10 minutes before the draft again of Miles Garrett smoking weed through a like <laughs> gas mask <laughs> we've really moved on from that as a football p- punditry no one talks about that what, what apparatus is it going to be this year? That's a good thing that we can predict. I mean, I, I'm not that familiar with smoking weed, so I don't know what sort of things you can smoke it out of, but it seems like we can get more creative than a gas mask. Like a mask. space helmet. <laughs> or uh... Like a stormtrooper helmet or something? Yeah. We'll really be up with the times. This is why we have a guy from Seattle on the pod. <laughs> exactly. Danny, you're the weed correspondent for the Ringer NFL show. Uh, no comment. All right. All right, let's move on to a team that, unlike the Browns, there is no spot on the 49ers like roster that no. is sure enough that you can take something off the board. I guess you could say the defensive line because they've flown a lot of resources at it in recent yeah. years. Buckner's pretty good. 
Buckner's pretty good. I think Armstead's a solid player, but I mean, there's really no spot other than that on this entire roster where you can say, eh, they're set enough that they probably wouldn't go in this direction. There's no more blank slate in the entire league. Danny, they play in your division. I mean, do you have any sense of what they need the most? Well, I mean, the big part, the, the big thing is not only is their roster bare, but they're, they're switching schemes on defense and on offense. So, like, yeah. there's so many variables there that it's impossible to know. I think that, I mean, I, for me, you can't go wrong with taking a pass rusher. And I think, I, to me, the Malik Hooker connection to them is really fascinating. I think when you look at what happened with the Seahawks defense last year when Earl Thomas went out, the difference that it makes to have that rangy center fielder in that cover three scheme, which is what they're going to run, the Seahawks style, like cover three. I think it makes a lot of sense. Hooker at number two, even though that's higher than most safeties go, you know, I, it's John Lynch. He's a former safety. He's a new GM. You know, he's going to be looking at that defense. How can we make a big impact with this pick? I don't know. That to me is a very fascinating, I guess, uh, you know, marriage of two, you know, the, the scheme and the, and the philosophy. And even though the safeties don't typically go that high. Mm-hmm. It go, I, a hooker has not really worked out and doesn't have really many measurables, and that would just concern me. Right. He's had a hip injury all spring, just for context for the listener. Uh, he doesn't really have much data on him. I would be very nervous about taking him second overall, especially when you have a guy like Solomon Thomas there. Yeah, but just like we talked about, that's the one spot where they got a ton of bodies. I, here's the thing. Just to play devil's advocate on that, they have look Lynch and, and Shannon have six-year contracts. They're in this for the long haul. They're yeah. not trying to win now. That's why I don't think they, they should take a quarterback here, okay? And so, for me, I just think you take the best player available and see what happens. I mean, if, if Solomon Thomas and, and the numbers and the, and the productivity seem to suggest that he is the best player available, I think you just take him and roll the dice and see what happens. I mean, you cannot have too many pass rushers. It's impossible. Yes, you're totally right. And if you look at the bodies they actually have at those spots, it's not as if there's somebody really blocking his path. And when you're as bad as they are, you shouldn't worry about that anyway. But if you think about it, if you put Mitchell inside, if you have a buck, God, it's going to be weird for them to play that kind of Seattle scheme with these guys, Danny. I can't even imagine where they're going to go. But if you think about Thomas as a Michael Bennett player, which is the comp I've given him since the start here you probably could slot him in there and just say we'll figure it out later well they don't have any edge rushers really i mean aaron lynch is that's exactly that's that's right so it's lynch and then you know what are you going to do with ahmad brooks it probably doesn't matter so it just how those guys get slotted into those spots is going to be interesting for me because they've thrown some resources at it you think about eli harold was a third round pick but none of those guys were four three put your hand on the ground defensive ends in the same way that they're going to want to use those guys as. I mean, it's, it's going to be a weird marriage of scheme and personnel, and we always see that when a new coaching staff Has there been any in. connection of Buckner or Armstead in the trade market? Like, I wonder if those guys would be, you know, potential tr- draft day trade, you know, pro- like... It's a great question. I think when you're San Francisco, you have to explore yeah. every single option yeah. available yeah. to you. I mean, what do we think about quarterback? Is there any, mm. is there any way to you guys that they say one of these guys is somebody that we love and we're rolling with it? Well, I don't think they're in a situation, as I said, they both have six-year deals. I don't think they're in a situation where they have to draft a quarterback because they have to win now. I, I don't necessarily, you know, the Houston Texans are in that position because they need a quarterback because they have a, a possible Super Bowl-ready defense, so they need to roll the dice, right? The San Francisco 49ers are so far away. It's almost like the Browns were last year. 
that I think that they're just like, we're going to start building this thing. We don't. What's the point of even having a decent quarterback this right. year, for God's sakes? It's a good point. But if, say, you love Watson or Trubisky, you think they're yeah. the guy to build around. Don't take him at two. Well, that's, exa- yeah, that's exactly where you I mean, take him if you love him, though. If you take Trubisky, yeah. Watson, will not. Will, can, you can trade down. I mean, if that's what they should do, let's be clear. Well, they're trying I mean, if, to. If, yes. I mean, they should trade down. If that's the option for most of these teams in the top three or so, trade down right. is the answer. But if you can't, then it becomes a different question. Man, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, the lo- logic, logically, I think they they take it their best player in, and wait on a quarterback. But I could see them doing something shocking just because you just don't really know. I mean, the, right now we have nothing to base like their style or philosophy on, really, because it's it's all new there. Totally. Yeah, I agree. And I, the one thing I'll say with the quarterback is that that position is so important to Shanahan that there is no way he's just going to pick one to pick right. one. I mean, that he's not going to do it just because they'd have a hole there. He's going to want his guy. I could absolutely see him being comfortable rolling with Hoyer for a season and not even care, not thinking Me twice. Me too. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback in the first round. All right, so Jacksonville at four. Um yeah, you guys are going to stop me. You're just going to think I screwed that up on purpose. Even though I don't want to talk about the Bears. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> I didn't even notice. I get it. I get it. Yeah, what about the Bears? Uh, I, uh, I think you pick the best secondary player. Yeah. Uh, whoever Which you think be it La- is. Lattimore, I think. And Lattimore's fine with me. I feel like corner is their biggest immediate need. So they obviously signed Amukamura, they signed Marcus Cooper, but who really cares? I have no idea what Kyle Fuller's future is. They have safeties that you can plug and play with Dempson Amos. If you believe that Adams or Hooker are transformational players and they're going to really be superstars, I don't think either of those guys precludes you from drafting Adams or Hooker. But right now, in my mind, I think that corner is their biggest need. Hmm. So all of those guys should be available at this pick. And whoever you think is the best one, I would just grab him and go. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's Lattimore. You know, six foot, one hundred ninety-three pounds, four three forty, jumps high. It's my number one requirement. <laughs> um, I, I just think that that he's he is probably the best secondary guy in this draft. I, I would definitely go with him here. The only concern that I have is that they drafted Kevin White, <laughs> who had some injury concerns coming yeah. in, and all Kevin White has done since he's been on the Bears <laughs> is not play football. So if you draft a guy who has these really problematic hamstring issues, that I mean, scares me. Can you uh, can you think about the last guy you've heard having hamstring surgery because his hamstrings are so bad? I can I don't even think I've ever heard of that before. And then he got hurt again after yeah. the surgery. Yes. So this soft tissue stuff, after living the Alshon Jeffrey life for as many years as I did, uh, that worries me, and that that gives me pause. But I do think that on a talent and need basis, he's probably the guy that makes the most. I have a question though for for Vic Fangio, is front seven more important than the safety and, and cornerback positions? Do you think he's the kind of guy who's like, let's just load up on the front seven, let's add Jonathan Allen into the mix, and it wouldn't shock just me at all. Dominate, up and, and front. that's the. Or, that wouldn't shock me at all, and I feel like that's the one spot in that front seven where they could probably use some more yeah. help. You know, Goldman is a solid young player. Uh, Hicks is really good, and then you have the edge guys pretty much with McPhee and with. But if you want to add one more 
interior player the way that Solomon Thomas was at Stanford, the way that Jonathan Allen could be. Uh, that wouldn't shock me, but I do think they have enough bodies in that area of the field where it's just more prudent to go with the secondary. I feel like if you get a corner that's a high-level player at that spot, if it's Lattimore, you really have a chance to be a good defense right away. That mm-hmm. is the one glaring hole they still have if everyone stays healthy for them to be kind of a shocking proposition as an overall defense. What's your reaction going to be if they yeah. draft a quarterback here? I will. I, there's a good thing. There's a screen on my window. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not sure I'd be able to get it off, but something will be thrown. <laughs> I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, no, I mean, front seven's obviously very important to Fangio. I mean, those those great 49ers teams. I think Justin Justin Smith was the heart of that team. Obviously, you had you had Alden Smith. I mean, you know, rushing the passer. So. Yeah, I, I I could see them maybe rolling the dice with the with the rusher if he's available. Yeah, I just see him. I just see right, them picturing Justin or uh, uh, Jonathan Allen as kind of like a Justin Smith style guy, and that's why I kind of yeah. like that connection. But I I mean I, I and I feel like Solomon Thomas is similar. Yeah, to him too. I think that he he could play a similar role. So I, I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if they did that. But I just think that they have so the corners are so underwhelming, and if you have one there. If, I don't say don't reach for a corner, but if you feel like Marshawn Lattimore is one of the best players in the draft, and that is just blinking up in lights, we need a cornerback. I just think it makes too yeah. much sense. All right, let's go to Jacksonville, where their biggest need is quarterback, but I'm not sure they're going to right. draft one. Uh, I, looking at this team, I don't know how you guys feel, Danny. I'll start with you. I had a hard time coming up with like, okay, this is where they really need a player, <laughs> especially on yeah. defense, because. They've thrown so many resources into the defense. It's like, yeah. all right, they have this guy, they have this guy, and I guess you have to keep going with this. Uh, on the offensive line, they probably have some holes, mm-hmm. but it, 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 outside of quarterback, there wasn't a spot on this roster. I was like, oh, man, that's exactly the type of player I mean, that's that just need. like the perfect Jacksonville thing, too, because like we, we've talked about this on the pod a couple times. Is like I'm just so sick of hyping up the Jaguars. They're the worst. They're the yeah. worst team with like very few holes on their roster. Um yeah. But I mean, like now, so I yeah. think if if they're not going to go quarterback, and I think that quarterback is kind of the the dark horse thing here. I think they might pick Watson, um, but I mean, if they don't, I could see them going with any of the defensive linemen because it's just like sort of that philosophy. You can't have enough good defensive linemen, but I think tackle and guard are still pretty big needs for them. I mean, like Brandon Albert is not solving anything really there. He's a stopgap at yep. best. So. That's kind of what I see. I see offensive lines still being kind of like one of their bigger needs. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you talk about not having a hole. It almost reminds me of the Orlando Magic where they have they've had so many high picks that it seems <laughs> – yeah. and, and they've <laughs> spread it out over so many different position groups that they're just like, oh, of course, they're, they're set at this. They're set at D-line. They're set at defensive back. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, they, they really – I think you could add depth anywhere. I would take a quarterback, but I mean, I guess I don't know. I mean, you know, I saw some mocks at OJ Howard mm-hmm. going to Jacksonville. I think Maurice Jones Drew had OJ Howard going to Jacksonville, and so um, I mean, I think you can just throw a guy anywhere, and it's it's Frenette. fine. I mean, hell, even defense. Yeah, yeah, I, I, Fournette. Yeah, sure. I'm, I I don't know if I would take a running back that high. No, but, but he's I being. Mean, that's been. I think that's like kind of been talked about a lot lately. Like Jacksonville is supposed to be supposedly going to be taking Fournette, which is. I don't know if that's the the wisest thing, but it's an interesting pairing. 
I don't know, man. I mean, remember, Tom Coughlin was on, not on the record, but it was certainly reported before he took the job that he was not a Blake Bortles fan. So I wouldn't be surprised. Coughlin wants to win now. He, he doesn't want to tank or, or do anything like that. So my guess is is that if he, if he falls in love with the quarterback, he just takes him. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. I also think if they don't want to take a quarterback, they would be the team that's helped the most if a team does take a quarterback ahead of them. Because if you mm-hmm. have one of those really great defensive options available, this pick becomes more attractive. And if you're Jacksonville, I think you move down. Because that's where you can get an offensive lineman in the middle of the first round in that kind of range. And that's what they really need. When I was, when I was talking about that, there are one of the holes that jumped out at me. It was at four because you can't really draft one of these offensive linemen at four with the guys on, that are no. still on the board. But they need one pretty desperately because on offense outside of quarterback, that's the biggest hole they have. The other thing with Fournette, God, is the Chris Ivory contract bad. (laughs) (laughs) I was was looking at it just in the sense of, eh, if they took Fournette, like how much money do they really owe Ivory? Yeah, he's still owed a decent amount of money. He has $7 million in dead money after this year. So that's always good. Yeah, it's a really bad contract. Oh, man. Yeah, and that's the other thing is like, and then they have TJ Yeldon too. And he's, you know, he's shown flashes of being pretty good. I mean, I don't know if he's like a bell cow guy, but. Yeah, it's like when you're trying to – this is weird because when you're trying to pick out, like, team needs, like, nothing really stands out. I, I would say safety, too, but then they have a couple of good free agent safeties and stuff. So it's like everywhere, you know, they've spent so much money. They had, like, $100 million in the last two years in free agency. So, I mean, they've kind of filled out all their holes, but see if they finally put it together. Another team that I kind of feel similarly about, just in the sense that they don't have a ton of glaring holes, and it's probably because this isn't their draft pick. Yeah, love this is trade. The, is the Titans. Uh, and the fact that the Titans, who were so much better than I think a lot of people yeah. figured they were going to be last season, and now they're picking at five in this draft is pretty remarkable. I mean, looking at their depth chart, there's one spot that jumps out to me, and it's cornerback. Uh, if Marshawn Lattimore's on the board here, I yeah. just feel like you pick him and go. They obviously cut Jason McCourty. Kevin, is there a spot that jumps out to you on their roster? I mean, this team Defensive is a, back. in a really good spot. Defensive yeah. back or wide receiver, I guess. I mean, I get, I mean, I think that they would take. I think you, you right here. You take a guy like Adams, Lattimore, if he's available. Um, you know, I, I've seen some a lot of mocks have Adams going to Tennessee. I, I think that they're they're in a position of power. They can take whoever, and I think you sort of build depth in the secondary there. Maybe you give Mariota one extra weapon. Um, I, Danny, I know you have some thoughts on on who they should take later in the draft, but I mean, look, the Titans are really good. I saw John Robinson a couple weeks ago, and I, I for whatever reason, felt compelled to tell him that I was wrong about his team. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I went up to him, and I was, we were all wrong. I mean, like, we, we, Robert, you and I made fun of Mike Malarkey a lot last summer. Yeah, we did. Um, and we were completely wrong, and I saw John Robinson. I said, hi, John. You surprised me a lot. Um, and so, look, they, they're in a really good position to get two really good players, and I'm intrigued to see what they do here. I, I would guess they go defensive back. I think that makes sense. You know, look at the contracts they handed out. They just signed Cyprian, so they have that kind of big bully safety in the middle of the field. But getting a guy that can be a little bit more of a center fielder, I mean, you had Malik Hooker to Logan Ryan, Cyprian, all the guys they have in the front seven, a guy that really gets after the ball. I think it becomes dangerous in a hurry. Yeah. Corner is still their biggest need, in my opinion, outside of Logan Ryan. But Janoris Cersei does not have a lot of money left on his deal after this year. So if you think Hooker's the guy and can really help your defense right away, 
you know, you figure out how to use him as a third safety in some packages. I do think that's the area of their team where they need the most help. I We'll talk about this later. There's one guy that I would love to see fall and fall to them, but I think five is a little rich for him at this, at this point. Who's that? All right. Ty, uh, well, we'll talk about it. I'm teasing, <laughs> Danny. We're talking about it later in the show. All right. All right. Come on, uh, Danny. Le- learn about show business, buddy. <laughs> le- let's, get into the, let's get into the Jets at six. Uh, my first thought, I just, I've written in my notes here as I looked over the Jets roster. Man, the Jets are awful. Yep. <laughs> The, the Jets are so bad. I, it's really remarkable how every single strength the Jets used to have is no longer a strength. It's like, oh, the Jets' offensive line used to be pretty good. Nope. When they signed all those corners, it's like, oh, the Jets' cor- defensive backfield is, you know, they fixed it in a hurry. It's going well. Nope. There are so many spots where they could pick somebody and not even think about it. And, again, quarterback is one of those spots for this team. Kevin, I, where would you even start? I don't know. They're like the Browns and the Niners. Just draft anybody. I mean, yeah. a lot of the folks are connecting a defensive back to them. I mean, I would just take a quarterback, quite frankly. I'd, I'd rather have Deshaun Watson and try to build out from there than try to fix that mess. It's rough. Uh, Danny, do you have any any thoughts? Any Anything hope? but an interior defensive lineman, I guess. That's pretty <laughs> much it. I mean, you could go anywhere yeah. else aside from that. I mean, like, if they signed it. I knew David Harris is still there, but David Harris is 60. Right. Like, if Reuben Foster was a guy you liked, I know this is high for him, but that's a position. They need a corner. You know, Marcus Gilchrist is no great shakes. You could probably have another yep. safety. They signed more, Morris Claiborne, but they could definitely use another cornerback. It's just so many spots where they need help, and the offensive line is one of those spots. Yeah. You know, their right side, including the center with Mangold gone, no one's excited about that. So, ugh, it's I don't rough. know. I, O-line is tough in the top ten. No, I don't yeah. think they pick one there. I'm just saying if we're going over their needs, that is one of them when in past years it hasn't necessarily been. Yeah, their needs are pretty much anything. Oh, yeah. my God. And Brandon Marshall's not even there anymore. They could pick a wide receiver without even thinking about it. <laughs> oh, gosh. I feel so sorry for the Jet fans. I it know. There are me, a lot of them. It reminds me of the, the Simpsons episode where Lionel Hutz is a real estate agent, and he's teaching Marge about it, and, and he says, the right house is is any house and the right person is anyone that's the jets <laughs> that's that's the right team for the right player it would be amazing if they drafted a quarterback and they had like six quarterbacks on their roster how many quarterbacks do the jets have currently i guess it would only be four and bryce petty probably gets the axe at that point but good god <laughs> i mean you know that you know the old saying like if you have two quarterbacks you have none or you have four quarterbacks you have none. The Jets literally have four quarterbacks and have no quarterbacks. <laughs> it's not a euphemism anymore. And it would be great if Trubisky was the fourth oh. quarterback and then eventually they still it have. It would be none. so perfect. Yeah, that's it. I, I was telling Sean that actually that Trubisky is the perfect Jets pick. Oh, he so is. <laughs> I mean, it's, they took. They, let's be clear about this. They took Christian Hackenberg in the second round last season. Uh, it, it's it is remarkable how bad this is going. Okay, let's move on. The Los Angeles Chargers, which I still am not comfortable weird. with. <laughs> They're still practicing in San Diego. I, I, I got an email yesterday about their their off their OTAs and like through next month they're still at Charger Park in San Diego. That's yeah, weird. I, I have no idea how any of this is going. Well, I, I, I'm not ready for it, and it's going to be strange no matter what happens. So, uh, looking at the Chargers, in in my opinion, the offensive line is the biggest question mark. It, it, they were bad last season, and then they got rid of all their players. So even if you know you assume that the players can't be worse, you still need some, and they don't have any. Again, 
seven is tough for an offensive lineman. So if we're going beyond that a little bit, I think that McCaffrey is a dark horse here. Oh, I agree. You lose Danny Woodhead. And when you think about what McCaffrey can be as both a receiver and a running back, I agree. I, I wouldn't be shocked it, at all. It doesn't take anything there. from Melvin Gordon. Nope. Because they don't want Melvin Gordon to have the workload he had last season. I mean, when you looked at them, especially in week one when you know, Woodhead was playing, he was getting a lot of run. So it wouldn't shock me at all. I also think that safety, if one of those guys falls to here, yep. it would make sense because they're going toward that Gus Bradley, Seattle style of defense, most likely. And they did a lot of interchanging between their safeties last year. But if you can have Jaleel Day, who they just signed to a contract extension, come up a little bit more, be that middle of the field defender, and you put Hooker as your center fielder, that makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. Danny, what jumps out? Yeah, to I mean you? the Hooker, the Hooker connection in in LA. If that if he gets past the 49ers or whoever in front of them, like that one to me just makes perfect sense. The other thing that could be yeah. interesting is is if they go receiver because that seven that's not i think that's about the point where you could start seeing receivers start to be in consideration and if they like mike williams or or you know Corey or Corey davis or john ross like i could see them going receiver too just because i don't know how dependable keenan allen is at this point um you know they were basically running with mm-hmm. a bunch of i mean obviously they did well with what they had, but they were running with a bunch of no-name guys last year once Keenan Allen went out. And so um, if they could get some top-tier talent for Phillip Rivers, I think that could be another thing that, you know, that could be the dark horse pick. But I think it just makes so much sense. If Hooker's there, that that's like the pick automatically, I guarantee you. That guarantee it? Oh, look at that. <laughs> Danny Kelly making yeah, a few it's like Joe. He's like Joe Namath, but the stakes are higher <laughs> because he's predicting the, the Chargers' seventh pick. <laughs> I have a question. I have a question for you guys. What about quarterback? Mm, Gotta start no. planning for the future at some you don't point. Think so. The, there's That's no. A, I, here's the thing: is it would be such a reach. It's not going to be like it's not going to be like an Aaron Rodgers drops to twenty four thing. I mean, there's. I, I just. I just don't see it. I, I don't see. Maybe if Trubisky. Are you saying if Trubisky falls here, or would you say take Watson here? I don't know what teams think of these quarterbacks, so yeah. that's hard for me to say. Like where Watson should go, where Trubisky should go, uh, that's something that I have a hard time putting my finger on, so I don't know the answer to that. But Phil Rivers is 35 years old. You're about to move, and your backup is Kellen Clemens. It's not as if you have this developmental guy that you're really working on molding into the guy that's going to maybe take over when Rivers is gone. Kellen Clemens is 33 years old. So it seems that at some point they need to address that spot. I don't know if it's at seven, but it probably has to happen in the next couple drafts. God, this draft is so weird because we, we're kind of in the middle of like the changing of the guard for the quarterback position, right? Like Carson Palmer, yep. Drew Brees is getting up there. I mean, even the Steelers now are going to have to kind of start worrying about Roethlisberger. And there's so many teams who are going to have an Eli Manning. There's It's just like, I don't know. It, even in a terrible draft class for quarterbacks, we could see a lot go. We could see like three or four or five guys go in the first round just because people are starting to plan for the future. It, there, there, there's so much uncertainty. I remember I was talking to Dan Jeremiah, and he said he talked to somebody that had Davis Webb going in yeah. the first round. Uh, there, it really could break any single way. Uh, Kevin, before we move on, do you have any guys or any positions that particularly jump out to you here? Yeah, I mean, if one of the safeties, Hooker Adams, is there, just yeah. take him. The Char- I, I'm worried about the Chargers just never moving. <laughs> they just stay they're like what you, know, you ever have all these high school <laughs> friends who say out. they're gonna move all the time you know what i'm saying you know these people who like announce on facebook they're leaving i'm i'm out of here and then like a week later you see them in a bar and they're like yeah you know at least couldn't get them a lease <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. yeah, exactly. We've said this a bunch, but this is another team I think could trade down just because offensive line is such a hole that if one of those defensive players is there, you call somebody you think wants them, get back into the middle of the draft. That wouldn't shock me at all. I think that would be a smart move for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to trade down. Nobody wants to trade up, especially not in a draft like this where there's no – I mean, it's it's not like there's a bunch of, you know, franchise cornerstones here. But it happened twice last year. No, I know. But, I mean – I mean, I, this 8 to 10 range, we see trades in this range. I mean, you think about what the Bills did with Sammy Watkins. Think about what the Bears did last year with Floyd. What Tennessee did coming up and getting – the right tackle who plays for them right now, Jack Conklin, whose name I could not remember. I mean, this is a range where... I thought you liked the offensive line, Robert. I know. Look (laughs) at me. I'm I'm showing my true (laughs) colors here. I I feel like if there are some... And one of the reasons I believe that happened last year is because the quarterbacks went 1-2. So when you push everything down, this 7-10 to range starts having players in it that teams might not have planned for originally. So if we have a couple surprise quarterback picks in the top 5 or 6, and a couple of those players do get push down then the seven eight nine ten picks become even more valuable and you could see teams getting a little over anxious because oh my god we didn't even think he'd be there five picks ahead of where we're going let's call i was about to say san diego and see what they think that pick is worth yeah you know this okay so this is the weirdest draft is this i know that people say this every year but is this just the weirdest draft because the all the premium positions are, are like offensive line quarterback um pass rush are all kind of weird this year i mean like the top the top pass rushers solomon thomas jonathan allen those guys are kind of interior guys right and so yep. the edge rush position other than miles garrett is a little bit weak you know in terms of our perception right now like Derek barnett might jump into the top 10 we'll see um and then you got a guy like hassan reddick who's kind of like a hybrid but i mean it's just like all the premium positions in the top 10 are, are kind of like iffy it's just it's really weird. So you can see a lot of like random positions, like a tight end in the in the top ten or something. And that's the thing, right? When you talk about positional value and whatever, that only matters when you consider everything else that's happening in the right. draft. So it wouldn't shock me at all if two running backs went in the top ten. And I know people are going to lose their minds about running backs going in the yeah. top ten, but these drafts don't happen in a vacuum. They're all relative to the other players that are available. So that's the thing. We don't have those premium positions where players are really jumping off the screen and saying, we're top 10 picks. So going a little wonky and weird, it just wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Plus corner, there's I, a lot I, I of think... corners. And so you think maybe you can get a corner later. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, okay. for, first of all, I think that the cornerback class is incredibly stacked yeah. um yeah. i think that's that's the, john dorsey said last week there might be seven first round picks at cornerback. yeah so here's the thing about running back i think the jordan howard thing is fresh in everyone's mind the fact that you know and, and people have 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 tweeted and emailed and all that stuff you know just the theory that the cowboys would have been better off with jordan howard and jalen ramsey than ezekiel elliott um and and who knows what would have happened butterfly effect and all that but I mean, Alvin Kamara is going to be there in the second round, or at least a late first round. Alvin Kamara is really, really good. And so if you're one of these teams like Jacksonville or, you know, um, Carolina, maybe you just try to trade down to, to 28 or 29 and get an Alvin Kamara and then take a position that is, is, is less deep. Right. Um, that, that would be my, my thought just on the running backs. I agree. And I, I tend to fall that way <clears> most of the time, but... I could see a team talking themselves into Fournette and McCaffrey because my theory with running backs has always been 
you need a running back if you're going to take him high to be a transcendent player when it comes to your other personnel. Can that guy make your offense what it is independent of the other players around you? And if you think McCaffrey adds so much value as a receiver and is unique enough, you wrote about this last week, Kevin. I did. Is, is unique enough of, an, of a proposition that he steps outside of the normal running back value mold, then you take him that way. If you think that Fournette is Adrian Peterson or Marshawn Lynch or one of these guys that it doesn't matter really what is around him, he can give you a competent running game from day one, then you take him in the top ten. It's just sure. it depends on what you think I, of these players, and that's a complicated situation. I would much, much rather draft McCaffrey in the top ten than than Fournette because I think McCaffrey's flexibility and you know a lot of the GMs over the last week have said that that Fournette can catch the ball. I think Dave Gettleman came he out and can. said, "said he can. yeah." Fournette Gettleman came out and said, "You know, everyone's talking about McCaffrey as his pass catcher, but but Fournette can catch the ball as well." However, I just think you know I talked to to McCaffrey's offensive coordinator for that story, and he was just saying, you know, the ability to to split him out wide before the snap and run trips with McCaffrey. I mean, that's what teams want to do. That's what Carolina does all the time. They made the Super Bowl because they're a three by one trips formation, basically. And to have that sort of flexibility to know that his floor is a really, really good slot receiver in a league where a slot receiver is incredibly important, I think that's really um, reassuring to know. And I just, Fournette to me, I know we can catch the ball, but he seems a little more one dimensional. Let's get into Carolina because I feel like McCaffrey has been linked there over and over again, and I don't blame people for doing it. He works really well out of the shotgun. Cam loves playing in the shotgun. I think that he could be a guy that you use as that piece. I mean, if you, Kevin, if McCaffrey was on the board for Carolina at eight, yes. would you pick him? I would. Okay. <laughs> Danny, what do you think about that? <clears throat> oh, man. That's tough. I, I, I think I would, I would be fine with it. I, I, I don't know if that would be, like, my personal top choice there, but I would be fine with it. I'm not going to, like... I'm not, I'm not necessarily one of the people that think, like, it's stupid to pick a running back in, in the first round because I think that, you know, if you're a good, good, good running back, like, you can have a huge impact on the offense. Like, I don't think running back is plug-and-play necessarily. What if I were – here's the game changer. Alvin Kamara can jump high. <laughs> so so would you pick him at eight? <laughs> I would pick him at one. He, I'm mocking him to the Browns at one. No, McCaffrey can too, so that's fine. <clears throat> The other spot that I feel like they could probably use some help is defensive line, just because if you look at their edge guys, it's Charles Johnson and Julius Peppers, who are yeah. a combined 746 years old. <laughs> if, if Solomon Thomas is there, oh ooh, yeah, boy, oh boy, just because, take him. Because that's exactly what they like to do with those left defensive ends. If Greg Hardy was, you know, it was a sane person, they put him at left defensive end and they slide him inside in nickel situations, and that's literally what Solomon Thomas projects to in the league. So if you have some of these corners, these quarterbacks, these safeties go in the top seven, and he's sitting there at eight, uh, that makes too much sense to me. Dave Gettleman does, loves nothing more than defensive linemen. Right, and I was going to say, like, that would be weird if Carolina took defensive linemen. Yeah, right? It would be, it would be so <laughs> shocking. And that's, that's the thing when we're trying to fi- figure out tendencies and everything else, because if you look at a spot on their roster, they, were, they could use an influx of talent. Safety is one of them, but it would be really hard to imagine Dave Gettleman taking a safety with the eighth overall pick. It's just not something that is in line at all with what he's done in the past. I want to know if a running, if a receiver is is in play at number at number eight too, because right now Carolina's like receiving core is just kind of one dimensional, and so you know if you get him, if you get Cam Newton, kind of like a shifty guy. I put Ross 
to them. That's McCaffrey. 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 Christian McCaffrey from Stanford. That's, that's why it's crazy because McCaffrey's McCaffrey's probably that yeah. guy. If you're picking a guy that fits in well to diversify the skill sets of the guy catching the ball for them, he's the one that jumps out the most. Well, there you go. That's why I think it's uh, it's probably the most popular mock pick for them, I think, right now. So it makes a lot of sense. Because it just makes way too much sense. And it's it's hard. It's weird for me because I it's difficult for me to picture a player like that in that offense. But that's only because they haven't had one. Right. You know, it's they've really struggled to find that middle of the field shifty guy that can do things for them in that way. So it's not because they don't want to use one, it's just because they never had one on the roster. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. It'd be kind of a cool fit, actually. I could almost see it. Like Cam and Christian McCaffrey would be oh, fun. Yeah. It is so exciting that the Panthers are going to take some defensive end we don't care about. Yeah. Like ta- Taco Charlton. <laughs> How upset would you be, Kevin, on a scale of like 1 to 10? I, I would not be happy. I, mean, I don't even think Taco can jump He can't jump, jump that high. All right. He cannot? All right, yeah, he's not a great no, athlete, I mean, he right? jumped, I think, 33 inches or oh something, which God. is he, Get him out of here. Get him out of here. My reaction to his overall athleticism is meh. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, my, that's my Taco Charlton well, reaction. You have, I, saw, I saw some of your picks later, Maze. You don't value athleticism. We'll get to that. <laughs> I do. Just it, it depends on this, this certain situation. All right, let's go That's to fine. nine. You can be on the wrong side of history. It's fine. Cincinnati, I just, I don't know, man. I have no idea what they're going to do. Like, absolutely no idea. It could be anything. Yeah. And their roster is so strange to me right now. Danny, what's your guess? I mean, if you're looking at their what they have, what do you think is the best way? That I think they go? need, and I'm I, talking to people, Cincinnati fans, and reading some of this stuff, I, they, what they really want is a, an explosive edge rush type, type guy or an explosive yeah. interior line, uh, linebacker type of guy. So like, basically, they just need some explosive. Kevin's going to love this. They need an explosive player on defense. Hell um, yeah. And so I, I think a lot of people see Hassan Reddick as a possibility for them. Um, just because he can yeah, play linebacker and pass, rush the passer, and so, and they love yeah. that. So I don't know. I, I think they need an explosive pass rusher. I think that's kind of like the main thing. I think they also need offensive line and receiver because um, I think their yeah. offense fell off a lot after they lost uh, Muhammad Sanu and Marvin Jones. It, it just wasn't the same. So I, I think they could use some depth at receiver. You just said like seven positions, Edge, which is fascinating line, because receiver. Two years ago, you would have said this was one of the most complete rosters right. in the league. It, it, it is just remarkable how fast this has gone. Well, they don't ever sign anybody in Kevin, free agency. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that also They just hurts. let guys walk <laughs> yeah. all the time. Ex- explosion on defense makes a lot of sense to me. I think, you know, the, really the most sudden player they have on the defensive side of the ball is Geno Atkins. Right. He's a defensive tackle. Right. I, mean, I mean, so they definitely need somebody there. Kevin, do you kind of concur with... Yeah, I, th- I mean, Redick maybe. 10 slots early, but if they need that explosion and they can't draft down, go ahead and do it. Isn't he the exact type of guy that would go 10 spots earlier than you thought, yes, though? Absolutely. Like, a, a dude who is really athletic, falls between positions, and, you know, teams can talk themselves yeah. into using him 10 different ways. It makes sense. I always go back to something that, that's something uh, you, your friend Danny, um, Zach Whitman, yeah. said uh, when, when I did a story on Spark a couple months ago, and he said that the reason Spark has made more of an impact in the league is that sort of teams learn from their mistakes. And so 
every you know the Steelers drafted Jarvis Jones. He's terrible. He's unathletic. And then it's like, okay, we're just going to draft off of Spark. I wonder, having seen the slow linebackers in Cincinnati, having seen the amount of players who maybe didn't have that explosive first step, if maybe Cincinnati's a team where they say, and the Cowboys did it, the Chiefs did it, obviously the Seahawks did it, where they say, okay, we've had enough slow, unexplosive guys. We're really going to go off measurables this year. And I wonder if if it's about time for Cincinnati to do that and take a Redick 10 spots early. Yeah, that would make total sense to me because they really aren't exciting on defense. They have a lot of solid players. They're going to be a decent unit, but there's no one that really jumps off the screen except for Atkins, and they definitely need one. All right, let's go to Buffalo at 10. This is another team that I like a lot of what they have going on, but I think that there are a couple of spots that are pretty clear. They could use a corner. You know, they obviously lost to Fon Gilmore. Ronald Darby's a solid player, but they need some help in the secondary. And the other spot... Robert Woods is somebody I don't think any of us particularly like, but he was their number two receiver, and now they don't have one. So they could probably use a little bit of receiving help. Danny, I mean, what spots, what guys are you looking at yeah, right now? Yeah, I mean, you basically laid it out. Like, Sammy Watkins is their, their basically their own and the receiver, and his future is still kind of up in the air. I mean, I don't know what's going on with his foot right now. Um, so I think receiver is a big one. I, I think if, if it's not corner or receiver, I think they could still add on the offensive line. Um, which again, it's like kind of high for that even in this draft. And so, I don't know what they do here, honestly. It, it, I, that's why you know, for me, Buffalo has been one of the hardest ones to pick in terms of the mock drafts that I've done, just because they could go quarterback, even though they have a quarterback. They could go receiver, could go corner, offensive line, linebacker. I, I, there's just so many different things they could do that. Um, and, and they're changing their scheme too. They have a whole new coaching staff. I just. The Bills, to me, are a mystery. I I don't know what they're going to do. I think, you know, we can talk about their needs, but to me, they're just one of those teams I have just no idea. Kevin? Yeah, I mean, new coaching staff. I don't know what they prioritize. Um, you know, I listened to Sean McDermott at the owners' meetings, and he talked a lot about leadership and stuff like that, so that didn't really give me an insight into what, what he wants uh, positionally. I think maybe maybe you need a cornerback. I, I I would not go quarterback here. Um, I've seen some some people saying maybe maybe you you take a Trubisky if he falls. Maybe you take a Watson. I think you roll with Tyrod um, for another year. And 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 if he, if he's not the answer, then then you go into next year with that. Um, I, I'd maybe secondary help. I would go secondary help here. I would probably feel the same to. way. I also am wondering how long we're going to pretend that Tyrod Taylor isn't a good quarterback. No, I like him a lot. <laughs> Me too. I don't like – you could do so much worse. Just if you're thinking about taking a quarterback here at 10, I if, if you're – who's the – Doug Whaley. If you're Doug Whaley, I think you call Rick Smith and be like, yo, Rick, what's, what's it like to actually not have a quarterback? <laughs> how bad is it? And then you listen to Rick Smith talk for two minutes and you're like, okay, we're good. I, I just don't understand what the thought process is of trying to run Tyrod Taylor out of town every I'd time. I imagine Tyrod Taylor in Houston. That'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, right? If, if they don't want him, the Texans will take him. All right, so at this point, we're going to dig into 10 through 32 just uh, with a little more who do we think would fit in certain places. We're not going to go through all the teams. So we're just going to go three position and player fit or team and player fits that we would like to see and we think are particularly fun. Uh, Kevin, let's start with you. Who's the first guy that you just say, I want to see him in this jersey because I think it makes too much sense? I think the Eagles need receiver help. I think that the season last year, I talked to so many people after the season about Carson Wentz 
and okay, were the first four games the exception or the rule or what was what were we looking at? And everyone said you cannot judge Wentz on last year because his receivers were almost historically bad. I don't know if they were you know the worst thing in the world, but I do know that they need a game changer. And you know, I saw Mayock talk the other day about. Mike Williams, now he was the only clean receiver. And what people mean by clean is an injury background, the whole thing, and, and obviously the athleticism on the field, they all check out. But John Ross, even though he's had those injuries, he is too fast and too good to pass up. I would take John Ross if I were the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think he would be a potential game changer at, in, in that offense. Yeah, they signed Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey, but obviously – Tory Smith, the, there's pretty much no money on that deal. They can get out of it whenever. I, w- I would not, I would not count on Tory Smith. There is so there's really nothing precluding them if they feel like John Ross is that game changing guy. On paper, their receiving core looks pretty solid right now, but Ross is tantalizing enough where it wouldn't shock me, and I wouldn't be upset about it. Danny, what do you think? For Ross, I, I think. I mean, obviously you worry about the hip thing that, or whatever, the injury history, his knee and his hip and everything, but the fact that he ran a 4-2-2 even after those things is kind of insane. I, I like Ross a lot, and so, I mean, I, you know, there, there might be other needs for Philly, but I wouldn't be against that pick at all. It, um, so my first guy is Patrick Mahomes to, to Arizona, and it's kind of, you know, obviously it's one of those plan for the future things, but like Carson Palmer, I think, was already considering retiring, after, you know, after last year. He, he decided to come back, but I think, you know, his, his time is limited. And the with the Cardinals, you know, with Bruce Arians, the no risk it, no biscuit kind of style and, and just like personality, I just think it makes so much sense to, pa- to, to pair those two. I think, you know, Mahomes has kind of like that ballsy attitude that he's he's kind of He's just that kind of quarterback. You know, obviously he needs a little bit of refinement, but that's what you can do, you know, behind Palmer for a year or two. And so I think that would be a lot of fun. I have a that's question. That's an awesome one. I have a question. Where is Deshaun Watson going in this in this hypothetical? I think he's going in the top 10. He's going yeah. before. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that would make more sense to me as well. I, I love Mahomes in Arizona, Danny. That was, I, I absolutely love that. <laughs> I the quarterback I've compared him to the mo- the most is Matthew Stafford. I, I think that he has similar sort of like lively arm and in intermediate areas of the field. He can throw from weird arm yeah. angles, but he is a guy that just is completely shameless. And in that <laughs> Arizona offense, two years from now, I'm, I mean, he would just love chucking it all around. And you're right, he needs some work. He needs some time and. A team with Carson Palmer as their starting quarterback would be a pretty ideal way to right. get that. I that's I like that one a lot. All right, my first one is Reuben Foster going to Indianapolis. Mm. I, that makes so much sense. They need an at interior f- linebacker so at fifteen. They need an inside linebacker so badly. You know, they really beefed up other areas of their team. They signed uh, Jonathan Hankins, obviously. They got John Simon and Jabal Sheard as edge rushers. I like Henry Anderson as a player. So their front seven is starting to look pretty solid, except for the guys on the inside. They don't have anybody to fill those spots. And I think that Ruben Foster comes in and instantaneously gives you a certain feel defensively. He's going to add physicality from the start. And I think at 15, it makes a lot of sense. They need a corner. I know they need some secondary help, but I just feel like the identity he can give their defense right away i would love to see them go in that direction i love that i love that pairing i think i gave i think i paired them up in one of my mock drafts too it just you know he's a he's a guy who can he can run and cover in the middle of the field and he can also play the run so to me that that and, and he's also kind of an attitude guy like you know 
Ballard's exactly. trying to set a you know set, change the culture a little bit on that defense. I think. Hundred percent. So I think that's a good pairing. Just keep them out of those hospitals. <laughs> I was gonna say you're being it's attitude, really, attitude toward the nursing staff. <laughs> you were being frighteningly quiet over there, Kevin. I, could, I was I was wondering how the gears were turning. Uh, all right, Kevin, who's your next guy? Well, I, I just want to address it real quick. Are you are you not concerned with the, the Ringers Mike Lombardi's report that Ruben Foster is probably going to drop to the second round? Uh, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm concerned with it. It doesn't really change my thought process. Are you, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I, if, I, I'm, if I'm Indianapolis, I maybe try to wait on him. Yeah, I mean, if you think you can, that's fine. And again, this is more just the team and the players. So if it happens in the second round, that's fine with me too. Uh, I would like to see the, those two, those two entities go into like play together, though. Sure. All right, Kevin, who's your next guy? My next guy is. So I disagree, Danny, with the idea that Watson's going to go top okay. ten. And I think so. And, and this is not I'm not projecting he's going to fall this far. But a lot of mock drafts from a lot people who, who know the draft a lot better than me do have him in this area. And some people even have him on this team. Deshaun Watson to the Houston Texans. You know what I found interesting? Daniel Jeremiah had in his last mock draft. I don't know if he's updated it yet, but he had Deshaun Watson not in the first round. Yeah. So that's yeah. And he uh, bases I, I, those I, on I, what he's here. Let me pull this up here. Um, I've just pulled it up here. Lance Zierland has has Watson to the to the Texans. Um, Chad Reuter has him past the Texans and going to, to Kansas City and ha- and Houston getting Mahomes. Um, I, I I tend to think that Watson is a better player than Mahomes. I would take him. I think he's ready to play right away. I think that he has. I, I just. I think he has. When you talk to people around the league, when you see him, I think he has a a knack. Um, you know some. You hate to. Say, I hate intangibles more than anything in the world, and we just we've talked for an hour about how much I like data, um, but when it comes to draft prospects, but I, I do think he has a special something, and I think that he'd be great on a good team right away. With quarterbacks, I wrote about this today, but it was mostly in reference to late round quarterbacks. If you look at the guys that have succeeded lately, I hate intangibles too for the most part, but at that position, I do think they're important, and I think you know the uh, Football Outsider says their Q base score, which is kind of a that, that is analytics. It is data. It's just about how many, how much a guy started, what his completion percentage was, everything else. And it does seem like if you played for three years as a starter, if you've been somebody that was a centerpiece of your college team for a long time, especially at quarterback, that shit matters. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what Deshaun Watson has been. If, if, if he is available at 25 and the Texans don't take him, people in Houston should riot. <laughs> I, I, it, is, it makes way too much sense. I mean, I have no idea if you're the Texans and he's there, why you wouldn't pull the trigger. If the people of Houston didn't ride over Brock Osweiler, they're not going to ride. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a very good point. All right, Danny, who's your next so guy? I got, um, and I don't know if he's going to fall this far. Like, word is kind of it's not going to happen. But I, I like the O.J. Howard-Tennessee pairing. Maybe they have to get him in the top 10. But if, if, if he falls to 18, oh, I like that a lot. And, you know, people are going to say, oh, they already have Delaney Walker. But... Um, Malarkey's offense in Tennessee, they ran two tight end sets 40% of the time last year, which was tops in the league. And so they have a lot of ways they could use it. Is Fasano still there? What's that? Is Fasano no, still there? No, I think Fasano, he no. might have retired. Is Anthony, did, did he go back to the Dolphins? Did, yes, he's on the I don't Dolphins. I yes. him, but he's not, he's not in the picture, I don't think, anymore. And so. Um, yeah, he's in Miami. Oh, okay. So he's, yeah. So, and, and anyway, so like they have. A spot for him right now. It's I, I guess Philip Supernaw or Jason Morrow, whoever. But 
I mean, the, the one of the top oh five names God. in the NFL, Philip Superdome. <laughs> one of the top five names. Jason Morrow's on the Titans. <clears throat> yeah. What an awful pick. <laughs> no, Jets. Jets, Jets, Jets. But yeah. I love just terrible for tight end picks. Oh, it's great. And like, that, that was an all-timer. Like, I mean, Austin Severian Jenkins got suspended recently, and we all got to find out he's on the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Anytime you, the world finds out what team you're on because of your suspension, you, it's, it's, it's a good sign. All right, so I I would love that, Danny. I think that that would be awesome. It's a great point about the two tight ends. I am going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to go with the same team. And I know he probably won't be there at 18, but we've seen the Titans trade back up for a player that they want. They did it last year with Conklin. If Mike Williams is available at, like, 12. Mm. And I think he might be. It makes so, I would love if they would just trade back up and get I him. could see him at 18. It, it would make me so happy. I just think that that fit as a way to help Mariota on the outside, a guy that negates accuracy in so many ways, just go gets the ball. Mm -hmm. They don't have anybody like that. And if you add that element to their offense, when you consider what they have with Matthews, with Delaney Walker, with the running backs with that offensive line, I just think that that makes you a complete unit. And uh, it makes me happy just thinking <laughs> about it. I do like that too. I like that pairing. Just and like the reasons you said, like a guy that's really dangerous down the sideline. I don't think they have that right now. <clears throat> so no, they I don't. mean it's like it, it's a new dimension for their offense that would, I think, really open up the passing game. So I, I like that pairing a lot. I totally agree. All right, Kevin, who's your next guy? My next guy, my last guy, and I think this is actually fairly realistic. I like Kevin King, the Washington cornerback, going to the Packers. Um, you know. Obviously, it, you you always need cornerbacks, especially if like the Packers, you just let all your defensive backs leave in free agency. Yeah. Um, but King matches a few traits the Packers like. You know, I, I made a and I don't want to harp on this this measurable stuff, but but last year I made a list of players I would take if I never watch a tape, didn't know these guys, I just looked at the data. And I think I'd, I'd probably put seven or eight guys in the list, and the Packers took uh, three of them. Jason Spriggs was one, Dean Lowry yep. was one, and uh, Kyler Fackrell was one. And so they clearly, like we talked about, started to shift towards, you know, they took Dean Lowry in the fourth round, and which was way overdraft, but I would have taken him, you know, much higher um, in, my, in my fake draft. Um, <laughs> so for me... Kevin King has that uh, vertical jump, 39 inches, uh, three cone, three, um, 6.5, uh, great in the long shuttle and the short shuttle, uh, six foot three. I mean, he has everything they're looking for. The Packers are into it. I'm, I'm, I'm really into Kevin King in the late first round. And that was the thing with Kevin King is everything I read about him and watching him a little bit is that he's long, but he struggles with change of direction at times. And I feel like as we've seen what teams have done to combat Richard Sherman by moving number one receivers inside and making that change of direction a premium thing for big time corners that it would give some teams pause. But that three cone, it's a 96 percentile for a guy that's six foot three. I mean, he can clearly move. So if you if that falls away with how you saw him move in certain drills and if you worked him out, I would love that. And you're right. They love taller guys that can really change direction, and it seems like that's exactly what he is. How I like pissed, that one a lot. How pissed is Bill Belichick he doesn't have a first-round pick when there's a six-foot-three guy who owns the three-count? <laughs> well, you know, you, know, it's, you know, it's funny. The guy who's fourth on the list of his best comparisons on mock draftable is Eric Rowe, yeah. who Bill Belichick just traded for. And sixth is Stefan Gilmore. It's so, unbelievable. Which is hilarious. Yeah. So the corners that Bill Belichick loves the most is this guy. There's so yeah. few things in life that are perfect. 
okay? Bill Belichick and his continued unwavering insistence on collecting anyone who's ever run a good pre-cone <laughs> is perfect. Uh, He's trolling us at this point. He'll just take it, anybody. I really do think it's the best drill. It's the drill I look at the most. And when guys crush it and they don't do well in other things, that's fine with me. And I'm going to jump turns. Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to jump turns as a transition here, Kevin, because my other fit that I really like is Derek Barnett going 11 (laughs) to the Saints. Oh, man. You look at Derek Barnett, and I know that a lot of his testing numbers were underwhelming. And it's he didn't run a re- very good forty. It was four eight eight. A little, vert- a little bit injured. Yeah. His vertical was not great. He was he wasn't feeling well during the combine. He ran a six nine six three cone drill, which puts him in the eighty eighth percentile. And if you watch him play, this is Derek Barnett, the tight end or the defensive end from the from Tennessee, by the way. For those that don't know about him, he is just a really solid player. He's an excellent pass rusher because he's very flexible. And he knows what he's doing. He has very good hands. I think if you put him opposite Cameron Jordan, it just gives you two guys that you can rely on at those spots. His production is excellent. His hands are excellent. I think he's a really good run defender. And I think those are the types of defensive players the Saints need. I just think you plug him in out the other side of Jordan and you just don't even worry about it. Yeah, so I don't think he felt good at the Combine because he saw his jumping numbers. Um, <laughs> jumping so numbers. for me, my jumping numbers... Um, <laughs> So he did have a good three cone. Um, he's got pretty good size, 6'3", 260. He's very stout. Yeah, his he's production is good. I just I do not trust college production. I just don't I just don't trust it. I mean, I've seen. I remember um, the first team I ever covered had the guy who led the lead, you know the, the country in sacks the year before, and he 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 didn't make the team. Um, and and so college production to me is just. I don't know. It's a little bit false. I think some of the weaknesses you see, I'm looking at, you know, Lanzerland's profile. I mean, he just seems just not not only not a great athlete, but he just, you know, admittedly a slow starter. I mean, he he is sluggish to start a season. He overthinks things. I mean, I just don't, um, you know, initial burst upfield is average. I just don't see a guy who's going to make an instant impact in the NFL. Maybe he develops. He's the type of guy that can develop because he seems smart enough around the ball. Um, but I just, I, I wouldn't take him in the first round. I understand that. I just think that if you put him on the left side, he's a solid run defender. He can just be a really good complement to Cameron Jordan. They need solid players on that team. And I think he's safe. I don't think that his upside is tremendous, but I think he's going to be a solid player from day one. And I feel like there are a lot of those def- defensive ends later in the draft your tackle charlton's whatever guys that aren't necessarily speed demons or the most athletic guys but they can just play football and i think Derek barnett is the best version of that just real quick on barnett i was talking to lance about barnett actually and he he brought up marcus golden for uh arizona that's exa- that's a perfect comparison he, that's exactly the type of career i can imagine yeah having. he's just and, and and lance said he, he would have normally docked barnett for his lack of athleticism but after watching golden in the league because he, he's just a guy that can beat up a tackle's edge with his hands 100% so I think that's kind of he, he was saying there's there's guy there's a there's room in the league for really tough and strong and powerful guys you know you don't all have to be this explosive like first step guy so I think Barnett's and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier it's like there's just the the edge rushers in this class are kind of weird and so it, it it's going to be a barometer to see where Barnett goes like he could go top 10 or he could fall out of the first round it's just really interesting to see kind of where he ends up 
Yeah, and for me, I, I'm not. I, I'm not saying he's undraftable. I'm just saying right. you, I want. I want to draft athletic freaks in the first round. Look, there's always going to be the exceptions to the rules. Josh Norman did not have great testing numbers. Um, you know, there, there's always going to be those guys who are who are not great yeah. athletes. But then you know what? Kevin Dodd had really bad athlete uh, numbers last year, and you know he, he didn't make a huge impact. He was a little bit injured and a little bit banged up. But I mean, normally the rule applies. The exceptions, in my opinion, should be yeah. ignored. That's a good segue for my next guy, actually, because it, he's he kind of falls into the same category. And I, I picked Taco Charlton for the Lions, and it's it, I've heard a lot of different things about Charlton, and I went back and watched pretty much all of his cutups on, on draft breakdown over the weekend, and I ended up coming away really, really liking him. I think you know, obviously he I think he ran like a four nine at the at the combine. There wasn't the explosiveness numbers there that you want to see. He's he's six foot six. I mean, yeah. he's two seventy seven. I, I can excuse what do you like a little about bit him? of that. What do you like about? Well, here's him? what I like. I think he plays really, really hard, which is you know, it's one of those things that it, it does matter. If you have a high motor, you're going to end up just you know wearing a tackle down as the game goes on. But I also like that he has what looks like a burgeoning pa- uh, spin move, and he used it pretty effectively a couple times or, or multiple times when I was watching his tape. And he, it was especially against Wisconsin. I kind of wrote about this. This will go, go up tomorrow. Um, he beat Ryan Ramchek on a spin move like three or four times in one game. Like he he has a quick first step. You know the the long explosiveness isn't there, but he has a quick first step. He's really really long, huge long arms, and I think that he has the potential to develop with a, a, a really really good spin move. So I don't know. I mean, pass rush pass rusher is probably like the hardest position to evaluate outside of quarterback. So who knows what he's going to do in the NFL? But I really like that potential to be kind of that first step spin move long guy he can play the run um you know he's a big guy so he could probably play either side and so he, he but that's the thing Wait. right if we're trying to build a team they have ezekiel Ansa, so yeah. he's their right defensive end if you're going to put taco charlton as your left defensive end which is where he fits those these things don't happen just like in this in outer space <laughs> like these guys are there are players on these teams already and he's a compliment to what Ansa does and you can put him on the left side that's why i think it makes sense to me yeah so and um, his Twitter handle is at the Supreme Taco. That's incredible. Pick him. You know what? He's, he's not going to be there for the Lions. He's not going to be there for the Lions anymore. Top Sorry, ten. Danny. All right, guys. I think that's all we got. Um, this is going to be our last podcast for the draft, I believe. The three of us. So uh, we're going to be back with some reactions after the first and second round later in the week. But yep. as far as previews goes, this is all we got. So enjoy the draft. Have fun. We will be around to talk about it after and. As always, we really appreciate you guys listening. Thanks, guys.